You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Today, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to start in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Uh, today, we're in part four of a series called Kings and Priests. Uh, if you missed any part of that, it's all online at our podcast, uh, Spotify or Apple podcast. You can catch those. Uh, it's good to be back with you this week. I, we, my wife and I were out of town. We were on vacation uh, visiting our family in uh, sunny Florida, and we came back for a Midwest summer. So today, uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, the message is heart for generations, heart for generations. Mark chapter 9, verse 14, we're going to start with a story of Jesus, a story of Jesus when he saw a young man's life transformed, set free by his power. Uh, And it starts with this, Mark chapter 9, verse 14, when Jesus came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them. And scribes, that is the religious leaders, those experts in the law, the scribes were disputing with them. And immediately when they saw Jesus, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed. And they ran to him and they greeted him. And he asked the scribes, he said, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and he said, teacher, I've brought to you my son who has a mute spirit. He's unable to speak. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and asked if they should cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered, he said, O faithless generation, or unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, uh, when, when this boy saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. He's manifesting this demonic influence and effect. And, and so here's what uh, it says this Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And the answer is what I want to start with today. He says, From childhood. Uh, he's often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, hear the father's desperation, his heart's cry, as any parent can understand when their child is hurting. Uh, he says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus asks him, how long has this been affecting this child? And he says, from childhood, it's, uh, there's no question that some of the most difficult things the enemy tries to bring our way to sabotage, undermine, and destroy the purpose of God often happens when we're young. It often happens when we're at our most vulnerable place. Many of you have stories of, of life-changing, uh, even hurtful circumstances that happened uh, as a young person that have, have carried through until you could find freedom in Jesus and healing in Jesus. And this is where this young boy is. From childhood, he's been affected. And, and it's like anything the enemy does in our life, anything the devil does in our life, anything sin brings into our life, fear brings into our life, shame brings in, it ultimately always is destructive and it has one purpose to destroy this young man. And 
I believe that God wants us, as we look through this series, we've been talking about kings and priests. We've been looking at how everybody has a God-given purpose, first as a king and a priest, to be a worshiper and a warrior, to be somebody that has a, a, a root system of, of, of a close relationship with God, but doesn't stay hidden, but goes after and impacts the world for Jesus. But, but as we looked at last week, sets our eyes on the Alpha, the Omega, sets our eyes on the one who calls us to make ourselves available to him and, and as, I, as we look at this today, I want us to kind of expand our vision to think not just about our own purpose in our own life, but of those that come after us, about generations that are both present and to come, because it's at childhood oftentimes that some of the biggest warfare happens. And if you haven't noticed, there's a war for the hearts and minds of a generation. If you didn't know that, you're not paying attention. There's a war for your family. There's a war for your marriage. There's a war for your life. There's a war for your faith. And I don't say that to glorify the battle, but to remind you that there is a purpose and that if the enemy's fighting you that hard, it's because he knows how dangerous you are to him. He knows how I, I often have recognized that as, as people who've fought the hardest when they were young, that there was something on their life that the devil wanted to snuff out. He wanted to put out, he wanted to stop, but thank God he couldn't do it. And God has a purpose for you as well. Uh, three points today. The first one is this, we need to possess a vision for generations. So, um, you know, a generation is defined in a lot of different ways. Biblically, it usually refers to a period of 40 years. Uh, so you'll see that over and over throughout Scripture that uh, this, this season or, or period as, as Israel, for example, was in the wilderness. An entire generation lived and died in the wilderness for 40 years until there was a generation that was ready to step into the purpose of God. And so I read this this week, you know, we were, I don't even know how I came across this. I think it was just a stat. It wasn't even for my message, but uh, I, I, when I was a kid, I grew up and uh, I thought I was a part of one generation, but they reclassified it. So uh, now a generation sociologists look at about every 15 years. So there's the, the boomers one and boomers two. So you may be a boomer one or a boomer two. You may be Generation X, which I used to think I was a part of, but now I got, uh, I got upgraded. Uh, I'm a little bit younger. I'm a millennial, apparently. I'm, I'm just at the cutoff. Uh, and so uh, the next one's millennials. And of course, now we have Gen Z, which, uh, which two of my kids fall into that category. I, they haven't even named the next one after that, to my knowledge. But uh, here's, here's what I found out recently. Generation Z is now the largest generation on planet Earth. 2.47 billion of the seven, almost 8 billion people on the earth are a part of it. So that's bigger than every other generation that's still uh, today existing. And here's, here's what I've, I, I know, that 80% of the people who will come to Christ in their life typically do so between the ages of four and 14. That's why we're so passionate about kids and youth ministry in every area, because we wanna see, we wanna see people reach at every age group. Are, are you with me? But, but we've got to go after the hearts and minds of people that are the enemy is after, uh, and this is so important. The Bible puts a great emphasis on this in Deuteronomy chapter four, uh, beginning in verse nine, it says, uh, only take heed to yourself uh, and diligently keep yourself. See, you can't lead somebody where you're not willing to go. We, we often will tell, you know, those of us who, are, who have kids or grandkids, well, it's easy to tell people what they should do, but the greatest influence of our life is what we live in front of them 
what we model and what we lead what we lead forward into because there's a generation whether we recognize it or not and listen you know I've got an almost teenager in my house too uh, and sometimes we have these conversations where you're wanting to teach and you're wanting to encourage but I, I, let me just tell you where people are following your example more than anything else not just what we say but where we lead and and he starts with this take heed to yourself take heed to your own life uh, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen it's so weird how just human nature is, we can see the greatest miracles and yet we can forget them days, weeks, months later, the great things that God's done. So that's why he says, don't forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and to your grandchildren, especially concerning the day that you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, gather the people to me and I will let them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days of my life on the earth, that they may teach, listen to this, that they may teach their children. Judges 2 tells us what the result of them not applying that was. The generation that was given that instruction didn't heed it. They didn't apply it. They didn't listen to it. I know that because of what happens here. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It says, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord. There's a high cost for not applying this. And we can blame the world, we can blame every institution of society, but it starts with us. It starts with us. And here's what it says. There came a generation who did not know the Lord or the work which he had done for Israel. So we have a responsibility. We have to have a heart and a vision for the next generation. We have to have a vision to see generations after us until Jesus comes again, reach for him. And we have to teach them, equip them, live a life in front of them, the models what we want them to carry. There has to be more than just us trying to suppress evil in the lives of the next generation. Because I'll just tell you, I've been in youth ministry, I've been a kid, I've, I've done a lot of stuff. I've spent 10 to 13 years of the beginning of my career working almost exclusively with kids. And you cannot change a generation just by trying to suppress evil, but by calling to purpose on the inside of them. You're made for more than what you've known, more than what you've seen. And that's true of all of us. And we've got to live that. We've got to carry that. I love this in Exodus 3. God reveals himself to Israel. And here's how he reveals himself. He calls himself, he says, this is my name for all generations. He calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, what God wanted to do in Abraham first was bigger than Abraham. Can I just tell you, your purpose is not just about you. My purpose isn't just about me. It's about others that my life and your life will impact. Being a king and a priest is not just about you experiencing all that God has, and that's true, but it's about you becoming a conduit. God called to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I'm gonna bless you. I mean, I don't think anybody would turn that down. Abraham, I'm gonna bless you, but I'm gonna make you a blessing. In other words, God was telling Abraham, I'm going to do something in your life that's not going to stop with your life. I'm going to pour something into you that's meant to pass through you to others. I'm going to do something in you that's not just about you. Yes, it's going to bless you. Yes, it's going to, I'm going to prosper you. And yes, I'm going to do this in your life, but it's not just about you. We've got to capture that same vision. Because what God wanted to do in Abraham was bigger. In fact, you know why God actually called Abraham? It says this in Genesis 18. God, as he was about to 
bring judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah, he says this, he says, how can I keep what I'm about to do from Abraham, my friend? He says, I, I, I've known him. This is what God says, Genesis 18. He says, I've known him. I've revealed myself to him, not just so that he can know me, but because he will teach his children. Is that, yeah. I, I want you to see this. The reason God called Abraham wasn't just for Abraham. It was because Abraham would be one who would pass on what he was given. Abraham would be one that the blessing and the covenant and the promise wouldn't stop with him. But it was going to go to generations to come. And, and I, you know, I look at the stories and, and we know a lot about Jacob and his 12 sons and we know a lot about Abraham even. We don't know as much about Isaac, but God doesn't weigh one generation over the other. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob because God is always about generations. He's always about generations. There's none insignificant. There's no, there's no moment in your life where there isn't a ripple effect. There's no seed you plant today that doesn't have a harvest tomorrow. There's no breakthrough you get today in your life, in your, your family. You're overcoming today. And it's not just about you getting more free. It's about everyone that's coming after you. And can I just tell you, this isn't just about your children and your grandchildren. This is about the future of the body of Christ, about the church, about the next generation of new believers. Because God's raising up people, but he needs you. He needs you to step into what God has created and called you to be. God's promise was bigger than even Abraham's own lifetime. There's things that I know that God's told me to do that are not about me. And I know it's true in every one of our life that God is after more than just us and impacting and blessing us, and he is, but we have a responsibility. In fact, here's, here's what I, 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 this is kind of a different verse for this, but Proverbs 27, 23 it says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. He's, he's using the, the language of a shepherd. It, you know, I don't know if anybody ever practiced this kind of, uh, this kind of financial uh, practice. Um, when I was 19, I, I got a Hope It card, not a debit card. Do you know what Hope It card is? You put it in and hope it has money. You didn't take the time to look at your account. You didn't take time to budget. You didn't, you just kind of, don't, don't look at anybody. <laughs> and unfortunately, we sometimes have the same approach to every other area of our life, including the next generation. We hope they go further. We hope they find God. We hope that things will change. We hope that the next generation will be better than the one. We, we hope that, but it's not something that happens by accident. And if I'm not discipling the next generation and you're not discipling the next generation, something else is. And we can, we can point fingers at media companies and all of that all day long. But if we haven't first done what we need to do in building a foundation that lasts, in imparting God's word, it's not enough to shut out the dark, but we have to put something that actually lasts. It's absolutely vital. And can I just tell you, this is so important, church. I, I, there's, there's a oftentimes a disconnect, but we don't realize, especially now, I don't even know, when I was a youth pastor in 2010, 
They said the average teen had over six hours of media exposure a day. Now that has significantly changed in 12 years. That was what it was in 2010. And I used to have parents come up to me and they're like, well, hey, have you, have you seen, you know, can you, can you keep an eye on what my kids are doing online? No. <laughs> because here's what we need to do, as, especially those of us who are parents, and, and we, need to be, we need to recognize what's going on. We need to know the state of the flocks. When, when a wolf's coming, we don't take it passively. We kill the wolf. <laughs> we shepherd, we guide, we love, we care for, we protect, we lift up. That's what we're to do. But we have a responsibility to do that. Can I just tell you what's important to you is going to be important to your family? Last week we were on vacation and, uh, you know, I, I've said this before. You know, I don't believe in being a professional Christian, even as a pastor. So, so I, I don't want to do anything out of just checking a box, obligation, have to, but I've, Jesus has changed my life. How about yours? He's changed my life. So nobody ever, so we're on vacation and I, you know, this was like the first Sunday I wasn't preaching somewhere, you know, even last year when we went out of town and, uh, but you know where we were Sunday morning? We were in church because it matters to me because it's important to me that my kids are in church. My kids are, are hearing God's word. It's important to me that my family is, is being strengthened and poured into. It's important for every single one of us, not because of, of somebody you know, having to tell us, to no, no, because I know the value of it and what's important to me will be important to my family. Not just by what I say, but what we do. I want our kids, I want our family. I, I, I love this quote from Leonard Ravenhill, who's a great preacher of the last century. He said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of an opportunity. We have a window to reach the next generation. And that's for all of us. Maybe your kids are grown. You still have a window to pray, to sow, to believe, to reach, and sometimes I've found this, that, that what we want to see happen in our own life, in our own family, as we begin to reach other people's kids, God starts reaching ours too. As we start building his house, God starts building ours. As we begin to capture God's heart for generations, we sow and we reap. Number two, point two, is a, is a question, what will you leave behind? What will you, I, I actually think about this. I've been thinking about this a long time because it's important what we leave behind. And it's never too late, because even, even as I share this message, I, I know that the enemy's lying to some people saying, you're too late. Your kids are too far gone. You should have done that. Why didn't you do that? Can I just tell you, we serve a God who's a miracle working God. We serve a God for whom there's no hopeless situation. But I just want you to understand this. It's never too late to start leaving a spiritual inheritance. There's a lot of ways we leave an inheritance. Some of it's good, some of it's not good. But the reality is the most important thing you will ever leave the next generation is your faith. Is your walk with God. Is an investment in eternity. There's a lot of things we invest in and those who invest know that there's an expectation of an ROI, return on investment. I expect something, some kind of return from this. Can I tell you the kingdom is the only thing that has an eternal ROI. 
that what you sow for, for eternity, what you plant in the lives of people for eternity, there's only, in the words of the great theologian Denzel Washington, he said, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. We'll all leave something. But what we leave needs to be an eternal foundation. You're gonna leave your mark. Joshua 4, Joshua 4, as the Israelites crossed over, as they crossed over, uh, it says, uh, cross over before the ark of the Lord, verse five, uh, the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. This is when God parted the Jordan River so they could take the promised land. He said, after the waters had parted, each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in the time to come saying, what do these stones mean to you? Can I just tell you, there's a generation that's asking questions and if we don't have an answer, somebody else will. Uh, (laughs) Here's what he says. You're gonna answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant and when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. They set these stones up as markers so that every time future generations would come by this spot, they would ask and go, why is this here? And those stones were to be a memorial to represent something. And there's memorial stones that you and I leave every day when we establish in our families and in our marriages and in our homes and in our life. And you may be single right now and you may not have kids yet. It doesn't matter because every decision you and I make is planting a stone in the ground that's either gonna be somebody's stumbling block or somebody's stepping stone. You're making a difference. You're making an impact. And somebody else will go by and say, why? Why is this here? Why did this happen? Why do you have hope when nobody else in the world has hope? Why do you have peace when nobody else in the world has peace? I mean, just turn on the news for five seconds and turn it back off. I turned it on today and all I saw was monkey pox. So I turned it off. (laughs) While the world's afraid, you and I are setting up stones setting up markers. When the world is confused and doesn't know its identity and what it was created for and people are searching and looking for anything and everything, you're setting up something that lasts. The third and final point is we need to bring them. We need to bring a generation to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. You know, let's go back to the story as we prepare to close. Uh, Jason, if you want to get ready. Uh, Matthew let me, let me give you two different accounts of this. Matthew 17, 17, as the father comes to him, saying, I, I brought my son and your disciples could not cast out this spirit. They couldn't do anything to help. He's not any better. Jesus says, bring him to me. And as they bring this child, here's what Jesus says. This, and, and, and I'm reading from Matthew's account because he adds something. He, he says this, and Jesus answered, says, oh, faithless or unbelieving and perverse generation. Do, do you know what the, that generation had a problem with? And many, if not most generations since then have had a problem with is these same two things. Faithless means they're disconnected from God. 
Perverse is to be literally, you know, we, we all think of what something perverse is, but perverse just simply is to twist out of its original created design. Anything in my life that is disconnected from God's original intended design becomes twisted and perverted. And so that's what he says about that generation. He says they're disconnected from God. That's what faithless means. And they're too connected to the world that twists away from God's original design. And and, and here's what, in Mark's account, verse 25, Jesus saw these people running together. He rebukes the spirit that's in this boy. He says, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him, enter him no more. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out and became, he became as one dead. So the many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Jesus took this boy. If you remember at the beginning, he, the spirit, the enemy was named. It was a mute spirit. It, it stole his voice. And, and I think we have a problem today is that we are facing a voiceless generation that's trying to find their voice in everything. But they were created for God. And it's only when we bring them and ourselves to Jesus that we find our voice. And we find our freedom. And we find what we're created to do. What you were created to do. Jesus heals the boy, sets him free, raises him up. The disciples come to Jesus right after that and they say, why couldn't we cast this out? I think that's a good question to ask. It's okay to ask a question, why didn't this work? Religion is powerless to solve the problems in our society, but Jesus isn't. Religion is powerless to solve what you're facing and what I'm facing and what our marriages and our homes and our cities and our communities and addictions and separations, all these things that are plaguing people. Jesus isn't powerless disciples ask why couldn't we Jesus goes back to the very thing he called out in that generation faithless and perverse he says to them he says this kind only comes by prayer and fasting you know what those two things do prayer connects us to God fasting disconnects us from the world the problem that generation had was it was too connected to the world and not connected enough to God. So if I want to experience, what do I need to do? I need to get to Jesus. I need to bring my kids to Jesus. I need to bring my family. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get them in the house around him and his presence because there's something here in the presence of God and in your family and in your house as you invite the presence of God there, there's something there that nothing in the world can solve. It's Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. Because I believe today God wants to bring transformation, healing, and freedom to your life, to your family, to the generations after you. It, it always starts with us. I'm going to ask our prayer team that's here to come down. It always starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with us making a decision. It starts with you drawing a line in the sand. 
to not just shut out the dark, but actually invite in the light. <laughs> do you know, we're, we're, there's going to be things we do as a church that are maybe after kids and students, and I'm telling you why. We, we want to we have the best kids ministry, youth ministry, not to be better than any church, be better than the dark. Because the enemy's after your kids, but God has a purpose. I'm just telling you, God has a purpose. God wants to do something in your life. Do you know who cares a lot about kids ministry? People with kids. But sometimes our kids are grown. We don't, we don't prioritize those areas as much. But I'm telling you, your prayers, your, 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 your support, your all those things, we're going after this. I'm not, I'm not gonna let this happen on my watch and you shouldn't either. But it starts with us. It starts with inviting God to, to help us have wisdom. I don't know what to do half the time as a parent. But I can go to Jesus. I can bring my kids to Jesus. I don't always have all the answers, but I know he does. I want to I want to get them around him. Every opportunity I have. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.